Hi, this is Colin from Worse in the Industry. We have a lot of laughs on our show, and we get in some pretty heated topics, so it's important to remember that the views expressed by the hosts of Worse in the Industry are our own, and in no way are representations of the views held by the Planet Ant Podcast Network or Planet Ant as an organization, even when we're right. Yell at us, not them. Thanks, and enjoy the show. This has been a production of Planet Ant Podcast, powered by Pinecast. Can I talk my shit now? I was playing two-hand touch, fuck it up, it's a hit now. When I hit the road, do a show, hit a lick, then I skip town. Run up in the spot, no dance, and I make them all get down. Boy, you better sit down. Yeah. Ain't nothing fancy, I'm still broke. Cross town like Yancey, I will throw. They say I'm in a spot they would kill for. I could put them in the wheel and they still won't. Get a deal with coke. If I wasn't rapping about the past back, dealing dope. Got the offer and it's real low. Over one mil and it's still low. Ohio, definitely the worst state. We should flood it. It's it's definitely up there. I think it's up there for sure. I think that like Kansas, also up there. Texas. Oklahoma. Oklahoma, the trapped asshole of the United States. Missouri. Missouri. Oh yeah, no. It's your I mean your, that's your, the your state name has sour in it. That's the problem. <laughs> I mean, the problem, right, is that, like, uh, the these states suck because a bunch of innocent people live there and are being victimized by uh, the people who have been in power since, like, the 1700s. Yeah, and then there's also Ohio, which sucks because it's Ohio. Ohio's bad because it's, uh... So you know how, like, some people believe that, uh... I'm Some people... You know how Muslims believe that, like, the site that the Kaaba is on... Like, the Kaaba, like... That's where uh, the prophet was like spoken to. Yeah. Right, and like that's why it's like a, it's like a very holy, sacred place. Ohio's like the opposite of that, but not. I don't mean to be evil. I mean like it's like a black hole for humanity. Yeah. Like it's, it's, it takes all of the soul and. Like in the same way, if you were to like look at like individual people's movements across the planet. You would see like, like a like a moving in towards Mecca. You would see the opposite from, from Ohio. Ohio. It's yeah, like a spiraling people desperately trying to flee the fucking gra- the psychic gravity well that is Ohio, just yeah. pulling people in and spaghettifying their fucking spirits. Oh, well, before we continue to just you know turn this into a tearing up Ohio podcast, which we'll be releasing next year. Um, we'll it's go a companion piece. Yeah, it's a put companion that, piece. Put that one behind the, the paywall. <laughs> uh, it's it's going to be a Patreon reward tier. Um, all right. Well, uh, hey, hi, hello, and welcome back once again to Worst in the Industry, the show where these three bunkies attempt to, uh, you know, get just a little bit of truth from the commissary and spread that out to everybody else here in the cell block. My name is Justin St. Peter, and I whip up a mean bottom bunk burrito to my left. Uh, I am the outline in Damien Eccles' cell that he refused to erase because the guy who drew it died on death row, to my left. Uh, I'm Tyler, and I like being the little spoon because I feel safe. <laughs> you shouldn't. That's a danger You're position. That's yeah. a danger position. I enjoy it. You've you given can't up... be vulnerable like that in prison, Tyler. You can't give up your back. 
That you? What do you mean in prison? I'm talking about. I'm not going. I'm not. I'm not going to prison. I'll hey, kill myself. Tyler's before I very go to prison. safe as a little spoon. All right, he's a vulnerable boy, and we take care of him. He's very easy to cradle. He's very easy. Oh, he's an incredibly cradleable boy. To, uh, as the kids say, ball up. Uh, <laughs> yeah, my bussy is what they call bussin. Balling, oh, snapping. When you say snapping. that you ball no somebody up. You're talking about when you fuck somebody so hard and forcefully from the missionary position that their that your, knees your balls and go legs inside? bend up and they've been balled up. Oh, oh, your ball like your balls don't go inside. Well, no, it's not. Oh, gay. you're not putting the ball the, the dogs in the bathtub. No, <laughs> that's put, exactly that's dogs in the bathtub. You're, you're or, supposed to put your balls in the condom too, right? I don't. I feel like yeah, dogs in the bathtub. Yeah, it goes over the whole apparatus. I feel like dogs in the bathtub, right? Like. While very apt, it's difficult to keep them both in, incredibly yeah. slippery, is is an appropriate answer. I like the idea better that you could you could describe something that more uh, conjures the negative, uh, like Im like the negative sense experience, which is more like uh, <laughs> losing grapes in the peanut butter. <laughs> Losing grapes in the peanut butter. Because, you know, you're like fishing, like imagine your hands like in a jar of peanut butter. Like it's stuck in there. It doesn't really fit. Like you're constantly you gotta, hitting, yeah, you gotta banging like... your knuckles, your wrists at a bad angle. And you're trying to get a hold of these fucking grapes in there. And you just keep, keep slipping out of your fucking hands. Because as you work, the peanut butter is getting warm and it's yeah, loosening it's it up. Warm. Yeah, the oils. Uh, the, it's know, like the longer you're in there, the worse it's going to get. And I feel like that time aspect makes it a better description than dogs in a bathtub. The longer you're in there, the worse it gets. Agreed. Well, uh, definitely agreed, and we'll continue to discuss in depth the, uh, the, the action of putting grapes in the peanut butter. Uh, but first, we're going to get to today's episode, uh, which uh, Colin wrote, so I'm going to kick it over to him. Hey guys, what's up? It's your boy. Uh, I, today's episode is about, uh, it's about prison. It's about yeah. Uh, we don't. We're not distinguishing between uh, private and public prisons because there's really not a meaningful distinction. Uh, what you can, what you can imagine, what you can just take if if you care to, is the difference between these. That most prisons, the biggest difference you're gonna see is between uh, like a standard state or private prison and a federal facility. Federal facilities because they, uh, you know, uh, actually have a degree of oversight. And because they don't have the bullshit, hyper-federalized regulation system uh, that is destroying America today. Uh, because they don't have that, they actually have to enforce the rules. Um, which means that they're generally nicer facilities to be in. Still terrible nightmare oubliettes for, uh, that no person should ever be in. Um, yeah. But yeah, so you can just imagine that the shit that we're talking about... Uh, you know, because I don't believe we mentioned any federal facilities in this uh, episode. But uh, you can just imagine the shit happening there. It's happening there, and it's just as bad, and in some cases a little bit less bad. But not much better at all. Yeah, not not truthfully better, just not quite as terrible. Yeah, uh, <laughs> so let's, let's. I mean, the, if you clicked on the, the name of the episode that I've been going, the what I've been writing under, and I'm sure Justin... You know, he has creative liberty, so he can change it whenever he wants. But the name I've been working on is uh, Hell in a Cell. <laughs> Hell in a Cell. Because I love the... I'll tell you what, brother. But honestly... I'm going to come down there with these 32-inch pythons. Yeah. Oh, the 
warden's coming there through the is. cell block, and I can't even begin to imagine what it's gonna be like to pull his butt apart. Like you soft no. It's terrible. Oh uh, man. <coughs> <coughs> That's why I don't do it anymore. I'm old. I'm getting old. I'm just. I did. I did find a video of uh, in 2004 Hulk Hogan driving in his truck, and he put on a Jeezy album, and he listened to the first 30 seconds and restarted it like six times. Because he was trying to understand what they were saying. No, because he wanted to know the words because he was feeling it. Oh, okay. I mean, I mean, I think he already knows one of the major words used in Jeezy songs. I think we, yeah. we have evidence of that. He's but, a pretty uh, frequent flyer with that one. <laughs> pretty, he's he's earning platinum points on his all, use of all the of the Delta racism mile. He all oh, dude, what if what if Delta had a a like a racism travelers a racist travelers club right. where racist they're like you have you've said the N word on enough cross country flights. We're, we're admitting you to the Admiral's Club. They're like, just the regular Admiral's Club? Where it's like, well, the racism's implied. It's an Admiral. It's, you, you see, he's a military man. It's just, don't worry, there's plenty of bush light in the fridge. There's bush light, keystone light. All the steel reserve you can drink. Natural light. Mm -hmm. Every tasty, delicious domestic light beer that America has to offer. God love him. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> let's. So, you've spoken before on the abuses that the prison industrial complex allows to be inflicted on its victims for the sake of personal profit. Yet yep, we had our our Todd and Trekking episode. Mm-hmm. And I, and I, it's been mentioned through. I know we mentioned it on like the Robocop episode. Like it's it. You know the pri especially in America, prison is like an omnipresent fact and threat and reality. So it's something, and I'm sure we've talked about a lot. Um, hmm. Yet, this, <laughs> yet the penny press of humanity that is the incarceration industry abides and abets many stamps and punches within its mechanisms that yield no profit. Why is the punishment prescribed by the law they supposedly revere considered too lax? Why are prisons overflowing with horror? For horror's own sake. Uh, yeah, I couldn't think of a better metaphor. Uh, penny press. It just, uh, it's actually, that, uh, it's gonna come up again uh, at the end of the episode. Because uh, my thought for this episode is, like, there's not really necessarily a call to action. Because <laughs> other than, like, prison strikes, um, which, if you're in prison and you're, you're choosing to use your contraband to listen to the podcast... Don't. Listen yeah, to there's way better information you could be getting. You could be listening to Chilino Sanchez. You could be listening to <laughs> Santana. You could be listening to Joe Cocker. Like, there's better options out there. But if you're listening, give us a rate. If you're listening, like, rate, and review. And if you could send us an email about your experience, <laughs> we'd really appreciate it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> don't get caught. Good luck. Now, before we go any further, uh, we're just going to establish a baseline because this this episode's not about um, not about the purported purpose of prisons, right? Mm -hmm. Like we all know why we're like the, the you know the, the explanations that children uh, or taxpayers are given 
as to why prisons have to exist, right? What's it, the difference? <laughs> that that was the joke. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but the idea that basically, you know, prisons, okay, we have to have prisons because we need a place to keep criminals. Okay, well, why do we need a place to, place to keep criminals? Well, because we can't have people committing crimes, right? And, yeah, no. you know, it's the idea that, like, oh, if we, if we punish people, then fewer people will want to commit these crimes. Uh, and uh, it needs to be bad. It needs to be terrible for that reason. Um, but we have a constitution that says it can't be that bad or else it's illegal. Yeah. Right? Cruel and unusual punishment. Um, and so, like, obviously, if you're a listener uh, or you've, this, you know, if you've been th- uh, with us from the beginning... Uh, or you have eyes in America, uh, hmm. or you're black statistically, you understand that all of this is bullshit. Uh, you understand that that's all a lie, that these are all like very provably false lies, uh, and uh, that's not the point at all. Uh, so as of 2020, for instance, over half of incarcerated people were 1834, 18 to 34. So a group of people... Who are saying, okay, half of these people don't have fully formed brains. Period. Mm-hmm. End of story. Like, right off the bat. Awesome. Uh, and black people, who make up only 12% of the United States population... Uh, population? Population. Population. Were incarcerated uh, three and a half times more often than white people, who make up about 60% of the, U- the U.S.'s population. So, you're saying that, you know, they're offending literally... Uh, like, what, 17 and a half times more, like, proportionately than white people? Yeah, right. That, that there is, there is a set, like, a 1700% difference, proportionately, from black crime to white crime. Which is bullshit. It's not the case. The yeah. difference comes in who actually gets sent to prison. Uh, and the reason that it's usually a black person being sent to prison is because, you know, partly 98% of people that do uh, go to prison end up going back to prison because being formerly incarcerated is a great uh, determiner for whether or not you get incarcerated again. When you get institutionalized, it becomes very hard to live outside of the system. Which is... And it's designed that way. It's purposeful. And that, yes, that is uh, something that I'm going to really... talk about um throughout the episode and it's definitely something we're going to drive home at the end yeah uh, can't wait can't wait to discuss the grist mill of carceral slavery <laughs> uh and we we also understand uh, the significance of the uh penal exception to the 13th amendment uh as well as the material necessity for an underclass within a capitalist society mm-hmm. so we understand basically this is me covering our asses where we're not going to talk about uh, a lot of the core material purposes of prisons uh but more about their uh i don't want to say esoteric but definitely a a more hidden purpose that is not uh often talked about and i don't think may be a conscious decision uh but is in uh, incentivized and enforced nonetheless so uh sources let's talk about sources real quick um a great a uh, couple of great real, uh, resources uh, were the real cost of prisons dot org, uh, which is like a splat page for uh, a ton of 
uh, information about prisons. Um, specifically, what I really recommend is they have a uh, illustrated PDF. It's like a graphic novel uh, mm-hmm. called uh, Prison Town. Um, it's available for free on their website. Pick it up. Uh, I'm going to send that to uh, Justin. So uh, hopefully we, we can see that in the show notes. Even though they're garbage, Huffington Post. Uh, and uh, my favorite... <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, uh, there's there's also a, a you know a couple books we're gonna be quoting, but uh, <laughs> my favorite resource. So like when we when we like research for these episodes, right? There's uh, you you want to make sure that like you kind of have to read between the lines a lot of the times when the when uh, outlets talk about corporations and corporate crime, uh, mm-hmm. because often they're being funded by them or their editors are in bed with them or their owners are in bed with them. So if there is a story about that company, which they're often, you know, it just dies before it even gets to that point. Um, or, you know, more honestly is killed purposely before it gets to that point. Uh, kind of have to read between the lines. What magazine you, (laughs) what magazine (laughs) that, uh, you kind of have to read between the lines in a different way is reason. Mm. I love reading Reason, <laughs> because Reason Reason is one of those outlets where they're like, do you want to hear about uh, how America is becoming even more of a police state than it was originally founded to be? And you go, yes. And they have like a really interesting piece that's really well cited and sourced, uh, and like, you know, you're, you're outraged, and you're like, wow, this is like, you know, this is a very compelling piece of writing. And then the next article that you see on Reason is like, Age of Consent, outdated for 2022? And it's like, god damn. Can you, Come on, Reason. For a fucking second, guys. Jesus Christ. Just, just a couple minutes. Fucking, That's all we're asking. Mm. So yeah, it's, uh, Reason has, when they, when they talk about like, like actual, like, anti-police state, anti-carceral state stuff. Uh, Reason has some interesting articles, uh, but it is, does not, uh, <laughs> their credibility is still questionable for certain yeah. topics, I would say. <laughs> they might have a little of, uh, you know, personal incentive to write certain things certain way. <laughs> Only a little bit, possibly, maybe. Uh. <laughs> bunch of fucking libertarians it's so funny it's so funny and it's like it's not even like i like i made up like a joke uh i made like a joke you know article headline but honestly if i just open up another tab and just go to reason right now let's yeah, I, like let's on their front page funny. uh okay here's what <laughs> Should nat- should libertarians root for a national divorce? They're supporting a civil war. Okay. Oh, all right. Public schools will always be political ba- battlegrounds. <laughs> and where's the one? There was one the other day where there was a guy who's like, I was arrested for standing outside the fence of a public playground. I feel like I was in the right. <laughs> it was... Like just a, standing there watching yeah, kids. He was standing there watching kids play, and it, it was, like, during the pandemic, and he was like, I was just watching kids play because, you know, like, it's nice. It's, like, to see, like, other people out and about. Like, I've been so isolated, and to see, like, 
kids enjoying themselves like it's really encouraging and it's like yeah but then the school asked you not to to do that and then when the police showed up you said that you had a right to do that man they're like hey you're making a bunch of kids and adults uncomfortable and he's like well that's their problem I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna send a packet into Reason. One of the articles in that packet is gonna be why trench coat owners everywhere should be terrified by this police state's overreach. Oh fuck! Is a fedora a social exclamation point or a question mark? A question. That is that's that is that is already a reason article. I can almost guarantee. Sixteen-year-old <laughs> sixteen-year-olds are mature enough to. Sixteen-year-olds are mature enough to drive uh, giant death machines on on freeways full of innocent people, but they're not mature enough to marry me. They're not mature <laughs> enough to marry me and bear my seed. Oh, I love Reason. It's good. Ah, good old, good old Reason magazine. Good old Pendulette magazine. Oh, Christ. My, the first, the first father to disappoint me, Pendulette. Oh, <laughs> uh. Good lord. Oh, man. But, uh, yeah, so it's, uh, let's, let's go from there. Um. <laughs> Do let's. So, uh, something that they cover a lot, uh, in Prison Town. Like, again, free PDF, uh super easy to, to read through super uh like uh, digestible uh yes. cites their sources really great um something they talk about in that, that that's almost the purpose of this uh pdf is to explain that like a lot of times when a prison is built it's not because uh you know there's like an evil cabal of like you know uh, sadists and capitalists and uh police officers who just want to hurt people it's way more insidious than that uh it's the profit motive it's these companies will bring jobs to your town that no longer has manufacturing jobs because of nafta uh mm-hmm. your th- this prison will bring tax income to your town uh that disappeared uh when industry was pushed out uh by itself you know by capital interest um so they talk about how a lot of times like building a prison is almost a like they 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 talk about like the full extent but the idea of building a prison in your town because of the profit incentive ends up destroying your town Hmm. where all of a sudden you know you have this industry and this industry uh becomes all-encompassing because what capitalism does is capitalism is a penny press machine that only knows how to make other penny presses. So it every time you see uh, you know the depredations of capital, it's usually the a capitalist system operating uh, you know on a microcosm. So a prison is a microcosm of the larger superstructure of capitalism. Uh, in the way that it extracts resources, the way that it dehumanizes people, in the same way that office structure and even the structure of like the Democratic Party uh, mirrors this kind of hierarchy, mirrors these values, mirrors uh, you know 
what they believe to be, uh, you know, the 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 objective. Uh, it's it's you know it's fractalized all the way down. It's you know if we're I'm gonna I'm kind of talking like occult terms almost, but the way these structures are constantly being repeated and reinforced, there's really not a better way I feel to look at it. Uh, yeah. You know, it's you could th- think about it economically, but when you do, then there's all these uh, you know amoral arguments for efficiency that I think kind of cloud the whole point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so you know they, they talk about in uh, this uh, prison town PDF, they talk about how or in, in the comic uh, that like you know social workers see their cases caseloads double or triple when a prison moves to town. When a prison moves to town, you start to see much higher rates of incarceration amongst the people that live in that town. You see, you start to see uh, other jobs close down, smaller businesses close down because that prison which is going to be subsidized uh, both by the local municipality, but also usually by the federal government, uh, or if not the state government, uh, that they are able to provide a much higher wage, better benefits package than the mon pa shops on a main street can. That, that is just basic economics. That's, that is the market at work, is they are, they are inviting a big fish into a small pond. Yeah. Uh, Soon there's not going to be any other uh, food left for the people that live there. Exactly. Um, and, you know, these, these prison towns, more often than not, these towns and counties that accept prisons in them, they end up hollowing out. Like, nobody ends up living there. Because, first of all, nobody wants to live near a prison, right? Nobody wants that in their town. That's why a lot of times uh, when these contracts, when these uh, prisons, like, bid to, uh, you know, you know, to work, to build in a city or bid on a plot of land against uh other maybe even non uh prison uh ventures mm-hmm. um a lot of times that's done very quietly very quickly in secret with a city council or with uh you know like a county clerk or a county commissioner uh in, in such a way that the citizens the people that are actually going to be infected don't know about it until it's already going through yeah. Um, you don't have time to protest because there are there are dozens of examples that you can look up of towns that did realize that a prison was being put in and like rallied against it or fought against it or voted against it and the prison doesn't go through and uh this was something that was kind of like a hot topic of uh, debate in leftist dif- discourse last year where they're like okay well do you really think that preventing a prison from being built is going to solve the problem of prisons and it's like no but it's a start it's the same yeah. It's the same thing as when we talk about, like, you know, uh, like, ending the manufacture of hollow points won't end gun, like, gun violence, but it will stop it, like, it'll stop at least one kind of gun violence from uh, continuing to increase. Yeah. Uh, we can't, we can't wave a magic wand and solve all the problems that we're going to talk about uh, that happen within prisons, uh, but we could at least stop them from making more people's lives uh you know terrible yeah so it is a step in the right direction yeah so uh turns out michigan uh you know we have uh, a few prisons in michigan uh we have a federal Mm -hmm. one uh up north the up um but we also have uh a pretty massive state prison uh which means we were pretty we had or have uh a pretty invested prison town uh so 
Michigan State Prison or Jackson State Prison, as it was opened in uh, Jackson, Michigan, in Jackson County, Michigan, mm. uh, was opened in 1839. It was, <coughs> it was Michigan's first prison. Uh, and at one point in time was the largest prison in the United States. Um, no shit. Yeah, it's it's now they've they've basically expanded the campus and now it's like divided into like multiple uh like different security level and purpose prisons, but it's essentially still one giant prison. Um and uh the reason that I'm going to focus specifically on uh Michigan State Prison uh mm-hmm. Or as it's referred to now, I believe, uh... Jackson County Correctional Facility. There you go. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I actually vacationed near there recently with my girlfriend's parents a couple years ago. Ooh, vacationing in the shadow of Jackson Correctional. It's, well, I mean, just first of all, vacationing in Jackson County, Michigan. Um, that's you know, uh, you know, I didn't f- swim in the pond. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> Before I go into this uh, this article from CBS, uh, I think yeah I, I think it's it's important to note that uh, there's it's not a coincidence that one of the largest prisons in the United States was built in Jackson County, and Jackson County is also historically a hotbed for uh, neo Nazis and white supremacists and right wing militias in in mm-hmm. Michigan, uh, but is also the home of the three guys who were. Uh, convicted of that the attempt to kidnap governor whitmer those guys are from jackson county hold on let me let me just look for my shocked hat (laughs) you know like howell uh jackson county is like a like michigan and especially certain areas of michigan have been a lodestar uh for the white supremacist and fascist movements within america uh and uh, we're gonna t- we're gonna talk about that, but this uh, it's not it's not a coincidence that a uh, a physical manifestation of America's fascism uh, in the form of uh, Jackson County Correctional uh, is in a county that has uh, modern day uh, at best fascist LARPers and at worst uh, neo Nazi uh, insurgent hopefuls uh, hanging out. That's our state. Pure Michigan. Pure Michigan. Woohoo! Yeah, it's never, uh, it turns out it's never a coincidence when these things pop up in these places. Alright, so, uh... This, I'm sorry, this is just so fucking sad. It's just hard to... Ugh... So I want to talk about uh, Timothy Soders. Uh, Timothy Soders uh, was a 21-year-old man uh, who'd had a long history of mental illness. Uh, he's a Michigander. And uh, this is from the, the piece. Uh, it, this is a, basically a transcript from 60 Minutes. Uh, the title of the 60 Minutes episode is The Death of Timothy Sauters um, by Daniel Shorn. Um, 
you wouldn't imagine these days that a mental patient would be cha could be chained to a concrete slab by prison guards until he died of thirst. But that's how Timothy Soders died, and he is not alone. Soders suffered from manic depression, and like a lot of mental patients in this country, he, he got into trouble and ended up not in a hospital, but in jail. It was, a, it was a shoplifting case, and he paid with his life. In 2006, Tim Soders was in solitary at the Southern Michigan Correctional Center, so that's what Jackson County is called now. No. He was 21, serving three to five years. Though an investigation would show he needed urgent psychiatric care, Soders was chained down, hand, feet, and waist up to 17 hours at a time. By prison rules, all of it was recorded on a 24-hour surveillance camera and by the guards themselves. <sighs> the tape records a rapid descent. He, he started apparently healthy, but in four days, Soders could barely walk. In the shower, he fell over. The guards brought him back in a wheelchair, but then chained him down again. On, on August 6th, he was released from restraints and fell for the last time. Soders had died of dehydration and only the surveillance camera took notice. Um, they go on to talk about how Soders, um, Michigan, uh, how when he, uh, got older, became a late, uh, you know, late into his teenage years. That's when he started behaving really erratically as is very common, uh, well, teenagers. very, very common for, uh, like, being bipolar, being manic-depressive, or being having a personality disorder, those, uh, those mm -hmm. things usually start to come to the surface, uh, if not immediately, with, you know, as soon as you're, you know, a young kid, they usually come out when you start going through puberty, when you get into, like, that 18 to 25 period of time, uh, so back to that statistic that we mentioned it's not a coincidence that the onset of a lot of mental illness illness happens uh or you know when you're in your late teens to late 20s and that the most people being incarcerated are between 18 to 34 years old there's there's a very real reason that those those numbers line up um but apparently um timothy soders had uh, been in and out of mental health care. It's one of the issues. Uh, I'm sure we're going to do episodes on psychiatric wards, psychiatric hospitals. Um, but one of the huge issues with them is they're only really focused on milking you for money while you're there. And then to mm -hmm. basically band-aid over whatever problem you have with enough medication to like tranquilize an elephant. Where they, yeah. if you go, they if you go to a psychiatric pills. hospital you like they'll they'll medicate you based on your needs and then like the next day or a few days later they'll come up and be like all right like you'll get another assessment and they'll be like is you know are things improved and because these medications aren't built to work on a cycle that rapid uh you either lie or you tell them no and they up your dose uh and you just get you get locked into a cycle there where basically, until you're getting so much of a medication that you're like, you know, near non-functioning, or 
you lie effectively enough, you're stuck there. And then when you're out, there's no fucking help. There's no aftercare. It's not like, you know, it's not like you get a, you know, a social worker assigned to you. Uh, to get a caseworker is very actually really fucking difficult to, to get a caseworker uh, to get somebody that, that is actually invested in you. So uh, I'm sure all these hospital yeah. stays, these hospital stays can almost be seen as determinants for incarceration, not because they're, you know, it means you're a bad person, but because it means that you're slipping through the cracks. It means that there's not somebody uh, looking after you and taking care of you and giving you what you need uh, to, uh, you know, support yourself and to continue to live. And, and obviously that didn't happen. Uh, for Timothy Soders, um, after his most recent hospital stay, he was caught shoplifting two paintball guns. He grabbed a pocket knife, threatened employees, and then begged a cop to shoot him. Instead, he was stunned with a taser. Uh, nobody was hurt. Uh, the, once he was in jail, he had three suicide attempts. Uh, he pled guilty to resisting arrest and assault for waving the pocket knife and ended up in Jackson County Prison Complex with 5,000 inmates, uh, you know, uh, a kid, even though he was 21 and legally adult, clearly this person isn't in yeah. full control of a lot of their actions, in full control of their perception. Uh, they, he should have never been in prison, and instead uh, he gets yeah. railroaded uh, and then murdered. It's a, it's a terrible story that we hear of all too often in the modern prison industrial and uh yeah i mean it's not like yeah exactly justin it's not it's not uncommon it's unfortunately very common uh but here's where i'm going to ask the question again what was the point of this they they're, there, they're there really wasn't in fact course. they're losing money the they're they're losing money through negative uh press association which damages uh the returns of like uh their board of investors um, when we talk about, like, the idea that, like, the county could start, uh, like, imposing some of those regulations, that's usually the concern. That's why prisons like to keep things very quiet. That's why they'll usually cover things up. Because not only do the awards of suits of their victims damage their bottom line, but uh, the, uh, the revelation of their abuses can damage their bottom line. Uh, that yeah. said... It can remove public support. Exactly. No, no, please, please. Continue. Go ahead. I was going to say, it can remove public support. It can make politicians wary to continue to support you, which is like that private support, which is also very necessary. Um, which, you know, politicians, it's all about image. It's all about, you know, their perception uh, by their constituents. As long as their constituents don't know, they don't give a shit. But the second their constituents know, suddenly it can come back on them. Exactly, yes. Um, but why why did this prison torture Timothy Soders to death? What was the point? He clearly wasn't a threat to anybody other than himself. He clearly wasn't a violent criminal that was too dangerous to you know keep on the streets. Um, what was the purpose of, of torturing to death? And... I have an answer, but I feel like the prison system, the in the in, the carceral state, does not have an answer for why these things happen, because mm -hmm. they just fundamentally cannot conceive of the fact that they do. It, 
they these things do not make sense. These things are not accounted for within their heuristic for viewing the world and dealing with the world. So they, even though they happen, there's just no reason they don't happen, right? I'll, and I'll I'll again I'll talk about what I think is is happening. But uh, this isn't like we said. This isn't uncommon. This is very common. Um. We know, um, for instance, uh, just earlier this month, on the 1st, uh, this one's in reason, uh, a federal judge ruled um, that gruesome medical neglect in Arizona prisons violated the Eighth Amendment. Uh, Eighth Amendment protections against uh, cruel and unusual punishment are, you know, for a lot of prison abolitionists and uh, activists for incarcerated people, it's a pretty laughable concept usually um it's very difficult mm -hmm. to ever get uh eighth amendments like eighth the eighth amendment enforced basically it's very very difficult um it takes some serious shit to get anybody to, to, to and uh i would argue <laughs> that uh the arizona department of corrections Rehabil rehabilitation and reentry sorry the ironically named ADCRR. Um, I feel like they are definitely the fucking laboratory to create uh, the horrifying nightmare experiments worthy of uh, enforcing the Eighth Amendment. Um, uh, Todd Wilcox, who was the an expert witness, uh, the expert witness in a report filed uh, during uh, a trial in November. Uh, and who is the medical director of the Salt Lake County Jail System, described several cases of preventable deaths that he says were offensive to him as a medical professional and showed that Arizona prisons put incarcerated people at unacceptable risks of harm. The cases Wilcox reviewed included a paraplegic man that was left to physically deteriorate, literally rot while alive, until his penis had to be amputated. A man with undiagnosed, untreated lung cancer lost 90 pounds and died slowly and agonizingly without pain medication. And a woman whose multiple sclerosis was ignored and misdiagnosed until she was left at age 36, nearly completely paralyzed. Good fucking A God. system that allows this level of sustained incompetence and cruelty and fails to take decisive action to determine the causes of these myriad horrific breakdowns and to ensure that people involved in this case are thoroughly retrained and or separated from service is morally bankrupt, Wilcox wrote. So, yeah. So the, uh, basically the ACLU has been pushing uh, for this uh for you know the massive reform uh you know a federal judge uh fined the adcrr uh 1.4 million in 2018 and then uh held them in contempt and fined them another 1.1 million uh for failing benchmarks um that's that's but it's fine yeah and, and even the amount like it's okay do you know do you know it costs just under or just i mean this is pre-inflation this is from a few years ago so it might be a little bit more now uh i definitely probably with inflation it's definitely more 
Um, but it costs about $30,000 a year, $29,500, a $30,000 a year to keep somebody in prison. Um, you don't make... <laughs> I don't, it's kind of hard to imagine. On $15 an hour, working 40 hours a week, uh, four weeks out of the month, 12 weeks out of the year, without vacation or break besides... Uh, you know, the, the additional hours of the week, uh, you could not afford to live in prison. <laughs> no. you, you make just under $2,900 uh, making $15 an hour before taxes. You could not afford to live in, in a prison. Uh, and obviously we know about the despicable conditions of these prisons and the fact that they're not getting uh, medical care, so obviously the money's not going there. But why are you know these these kind of issues right like cancer treatment uh and um like rotating somebody or making sure somebody is uh being like looked after who's in a wheelchair who's a paraplegic uh or uh getting somebody to an outside medical facility or bringing in an outside uh medical practitioner uh, so that somebody's, you know, multiple sclerosis isn't ignored or misdiagnosed. Those are all things that ultimately don't really cost that much money if they incur an additional cost at all. These aren't, uh, you know, chaining Timothy Soders to the floor didn't do anything for that prison besides kill him. Uh, yeah. le you know, leaving a man, like, to deteriorate to the to the point where you know he, he has to have his penis amputated like that doesn't do anything besides like destroy his you know personal life uh that doesn't get them any money they didn't win anything out of that in fact it cost them you know two and a half million dollars which is not an insignificant it's not insignificant it's definitely a drop in the bucket when it comes to the kind of money that they make uh but it's not insignificant mm -hmm. to just you know let that money go out the door uh yeah it's it's going to be on you know it's going to be on paperwork now that is 2.5 million dollars that they have to account for as well so that's that in and of itself makes a not necessarily a bigger splash than the cost of like the cost itself but that is an aspect of like the fine to these or, or not the fine but like the the payout for these institutions Exactly. And uh, I, it's not a coincidence that this is happening within the Arizona Department of Corrections, who basically is like the fucking, you know, Harlem Globetrotters of fucking Nazi police state freaks, Joe Arpaio. Mm, Joe Arpaio, the fascist from Arizona. Again, it's this. This is not a coincidence. It's not a coincidence that all the political figures that come out of that industry are fucking right wing psychos. It's not a coincidence that the counties and areas that uh, pull a large portion of their corrections officers from uh, have a bunch of right wing psychos there. The prison doesn't just reinforce these. I. It doesn't just enact these ideals it reinforces them it evangelizes them prison like being a co in a prison is like 
interning for ISIS. It is a way to get radicalized. Uh, it, it is a way to become a reactionary. Now, a lot I'm sure a lot of people that do it do it because it's a job that pays a little bit better than working at Amazon uh, and that has a better benefits package and uh, lets you retire eventually. Um, uh, it pays $10 more than the post office and I get yeah, it Yeah, exactly. I mean, honestly, you have to imagine there's a lot of people just doing that calculus in their head uh, and they make the, I would argue, the correct decision that... Yeah, the reasonable yeah. decision. Now, does participating in that kind of shit make you evil? I feel like that's not really uh, relevant. Um, but it's very clear that regardless of whether or not those people are making the right decision by uh, supporting that kind of industry, the effect of them doing it is clear. And that is inculcating a culture that abides white supremacy, white nationalism, and Nazism. Now, it's, we mentioned the 13th Amendment, right? And we mentioned that we understand that prisons are uh, part of the necessity for an underclass, right? Where, you know, capitalism doesn't work unless there is a group of people that you get to grind into paste. Yeah, easy labor that is uh, exploitable Ideally free. Ideally zero-cost labor. Mm -hmm. That's why uh, chattel slavery... Uh, is a capitalist invention and why it was so core to the creation of this country. Yeah. Um, obviously, because Andrew Johnson uh, decided to completely gut and defang Reconstruction and to allow the people who were in charge and who owned slaves before the Civil War to continue operating in basically the same manner they had, uh, we still have that same slaveocracy uh, that we did then today. It's still here. They're still in power. They're still making decisions. Um, it's just that now they technically have to pay their employees something. Um, but I, but obviously the what that amount is is uh, very different. Uh, than what you might be making working uh, a minimum wage job or what you may be making working in an office. Um, again, this is something that people talk about all the time, so we're not going to dwell on it for too long. Uh, but here in Michigan, uh, the low end of income, sorry, the high end of incomes, the best income that you could earn uh, as a prisoner in Michigan is, is uh, hmm. 56 cents an hour. So, within a day, you know, you're making garbage. Maybe $5. Maybe, maybe $5 if you work a 10-hour ten, ten eh, day. That's, that, but that's enough. you got to keep in mind, they're criminals. Yeah, you know, that's, that's all they deserve, right? Exactly. That's, so, but, and, and again, that's the thing, right? It's like, the people would argue, well, they shouldn't make money while they're in prison, but that's not a that's not part of their mm -hmm. prison sentence. Their prison sentence isn't you yeah. spend twenty years in prison and you don't get to make more than t uh, you know five thousand dollars a year. No, your prison sentence is going to prison. So yeah, that is you are there. That's your punishment. And obviously, with with this labor portion, right? This is where they are extracting a lot, and this is where they are getting a lot of money. So then, the idea it makes even less sense. 
the torture, the murder, the abuse that gets heaped on these guys, if you're saying that, you know, they could make a ton of money with basically having to give none of it back to the labor that created, you know, a deal that bosses the world over have wet dreams over, uh, why would you kill your labor supply? Why would you allow them to be destroyed uh, for nothing when you could be making so much money off of them, right? And it's because, I think, in the same way that we said that capitalism like reinforces its structure, that it's a, it's a penny press that can only make more penny presses. Mm-hmm. So this is where Siege is uh, relevant. <laughs> oh, this is where Siege is relevant again. Can't, can't wait to get back to the white supremacists. Well, something propaganda. that fascists talk about all the time, right? And something that you definitely read a lot about if you read about... If, also, I just want to say right now, don't read Siege. I, f- I found a I found no. a free online PDF on the Internet Archive. I would never pay a fucking cent uh, into that shit, even if I was buying a used copy. Uh, and if you ever find a physical copy, you should destroy it. Um. Now, what what you should do, listeners, dear listeners, is what I did. And um, if you're gonna buy a book from a white supremacist, buy Behold a Pale Horse. Stop. By William I don't know, Cooper. Is Bill Cooper a white supremacist? You think? He he wasn't not a white uh, I don't know. I don't know. He sure had a lot to say about, you know... A certain uh, Abrahamic cabal? Uh, yeah, that's yeah. Uh, it's. I mean, it's yeah. not fair, but it's... But he's, but, he's de- but he's dead, but so he's not that's, making any okay. money off of that's it. That's the reason. James Mason is is unfortunately still alive, so do not, do not give Siege mm. any money, even though I doubt there's a way for him to make money yeah. off of it. Or if you have a Kindle just buy it uh, read it and then return it don't do that just don't just don't read do it that. just don't read it again do that's that. what i'm saying that's my advice as the guy who's reading it don't read it Re- don't read put yourself, everybody don't do what colin does you know you know in like the soviet union where like <laughs> where you have like a guy and like his kind of like do you guys know what a, a, hu- a human cow is so there's like, like a no, cow, not the like fetish thing, thing, not the fetish thing. Okay. So in All right. in the Soviet, so there's this, uh, and uh, you got to assume this is like black book of communism, like apocryphal propaganda shit. But I I still like it because it's a very evocative mm-hmm. story, where any time yeah. guys would escape from the gulag, right, you would always bring three dudes, right? You'd bring you'd bring the guy who's like doing most of the work, you'd bring the guy who's the lookout, and then you'd bring the cow. And the reason that guy is called the cow is because when you're, when you're in the middle of Siberia, after escaping from a Soviet gulag, you're going to get pretty hungry. <laughs> I you gotta have I am the cow for the podcast, and instead of being eaten by my uh, co-hosts, I am being eaten by myself for the sake of understanding fascism better. Um, that said, fascism has this fixation, like we were talking about, about uh, the new man, capital T, capital N, capital M, the new man, and this this construction of an individual um, from the ground up that, that, you know, they have this idea that, like, you know, the Jewish conspiracy of Christianity has 
you know, that and capital. They, they believe capitalism and Christianity are both Jewish conspiracies. But instead of talking about capitalism as this problem, capitalism is just a tool for the Jewish conspiracy, right? Yeah. So they they their entire ideology is still within the realm of capitalist thought. Like fascism is just the most reactionary capitalist politics in the same way that like liberalism uh is the most progressive capitalist politics it's you can do this you can go this far left within the realms of this box that is a hundred yards to the right of the the midfield <laughs> like that is how far left you get to be and so their far right is equally as far um but this idea right so because their beliefs are informed by capitalism and because the capitalism is reproducing itself even within their own ideology that on its face seems to reject certain notions of liberal society which is you know a side effect of capitalism uh mm -hmm. they agree with everything the the life that you live within a prison the society that you live within a prison is the society that james mason is describing in siege it's the same future that these nazi paramilitaries talk about when they talk about like after the crack up after the divorce after the civil war after ragnarok after armageddon after the apocalypse this is what it's going to be like and you if you really look at it and you really look at what that would be like they are describing prison they are describing the way prisoners are treated in prison uh that is a microcosm of the fascist ideal and it's a microcosm of the fascist ideal despite being uh, instituted and enforced by the state and capital interest because they all have the same politics and their politics are being informed by the profit incentive so that's why you have these people being tortured to death these people being killed because of their their medical conditions or having their medical conditions killed them uh for seemingly no profit for seemingly no reason because they are part of this fascistic creation of the new man in the same way that the nazis exterminated people with disabilities and people uh who were gay or trans uh or uh different in any way prison is a hyper reactionary environment that punishes people based on that same value system and destroys people based on that same value system regardless of whether or not they're actively thinking about it regardless of whether or not the the co's in a given prison are actual nazi ideologues which there are plenty because as we know the la uh, the la uh the the los angeles county sheriff's department most of those guys recruit from co's and those are half of those are explicitly nazi gangs if not a majority um so obviously yeah. there are a lot of people that think that way in these prisons but the structure of the prison it's, itself is what's re reinforcing this and what's allowing this to happen so even though you're not seeing like an actual material outcome because you know prisons are companies they're they're corporations that are designed to run on profit that's why you're seeing this this inefficiency there this thing that shouldn't exist within a quote-unquote free system a free enterprise yeah. uh, system because there's no such thing because they're always beholden to these ideals and because in a prison 
everybody has been equalized everybody is the underclass it is a society made up of the underclass that is why these things are happening because everybody has become disposable within the prison because the prison has been chosen as the disposal method <sighs> yeah. yeah and then and then you're just like yep and then you move on because it's like what are you, what am i gonna do what am i gonna say what, what can i do what what can we do as individuals or even you know within our small you know enclaves of of social rightness that okay. we have in society these days Listen, what can we actually do in the face of these okay everybody needs to here's what we need to do everybody needs to go to the bank and withdraw about five hundred dollars okay <laughs> And then everybody needs to go to Home Depot. They'll have everything there. Okay. To make a guillotine. Okay. All right, and that's you know technically not an actionable threat, so we're just gonna keep moving My, to the uh, show. Um, now you know what? You know, ble bleep it out. Let's confuse everybody. You know what? Just throw some more bleeps in here. We'll just, just yeah, so... we'll just throw a couple in. There. Yeah, just just bleep bleep a few things out that I'm saying now, so that way nobody knows um, what I'm talking about. George Jackson was a prisoner uh, from the 20th century uh, in a few different prisons in California. Uh, and he has, a, he has a couple books that he wrote. Uh, one is called uh, Soledad Brothers, which I highly recommend. It's on my reading list. Uh, and one is called Blood in My Eye, um, which is uh, also on my reading list. Both uh, from, from the excerpts that I've read, they're very good books. Although I haven't finished either, um, George Jackson was—he uh, he was definitely described himself as a socialist, as a communist. Uh, definitely thought of himself as a revolutionary, and thought of the plight as prisoners—the uh, plight of prisoners as the same plight uh, of black people uh, outside of the prison, mm -hmm. of the working class uh, throughout the world, uh, and of people. Period. Uh, the, the struggle against fascism uh, that is omnipresent is something he talks about. Um, and because I knew we really don't, we wouldn't have really like a call to action and why there's really not much that you can do um, besides, you know, chaining yourself to a prison gate, besides protesting uh, public execute or uh, public uh, uh, protesting executions uh, and protesting outside of courthouses. Uh, I think George Jackson probably said it best. Um, settle your quarrels. Come together. Understand the reality of our situation. Understand that fascism is already here. That people are already dying who could be saved. That generations more will die or live but poor, butchered half-lives if you fail to act. Do what must be done. Discover your humanity and your love in revolution. Pass on the torch. Join us. Give up your life for the people. Uh, George Jackson was shot and killed inside San Quentin on August 21st, 1971. Uh, two weeks after his younger brother, Jonathan, was shot in a getaway van after attempting to keep a group of people from being incarcerated after a court hearing. That's blood in my eye. Uh, definitely recommend it. You should uh, if get your hands on it. It's only a couple hundred pages long. Pretty big font. It's a, it's a quick. It's a very easy read. Yeah. Uh, 
I didn't obviously finish it before the episode, but it's uh, even the beginning of it, even the preface is very uh, powerful, uh, powerful stuff. Um, but yeah, it's uh, he's right. You know, it's it's you know when we talk about the Democrats, we talk about their failure. Uh, I think we do ourselves and people like George Jackson a massive disservice because it's it's a misunderstanding of the situation. It's, you know, they're, they're not failing. They're doing what they're supposed to do. And what they're supposed to do is continue to make things worse while apologizing for it and giving these aesthetically progressive statements. Uh, but because they're within the capitalist spectrum, it's all that they can give us. It can, capital can only reproduce capital. They can't do anything else. Uh, and he, he's right. Fascism is already here. America is a fascist country. We've been a fascist country since it started. Uh, we started it. We created fascism. It was us. It was in Nazi Germany. It was the United States. That's American history it's for like, you. It's a lot darker <laughs> and a lot more fucked up than we've ever really been allowed to reading, believe. Like, reading and like trying to keep my brain from spilling out of my fucking skull is like really not fun it's not a good time and uh it feels like that's all i can do lately <sighs> all right well um we will be back next week with another episode <clears throat> thanks for listening once again to worst in the industry um tyler you got next week's episode right Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Right. Um, I don't know what we're going to do yet, but I'm going to try <laughs> to make it fun. Just, Justin's teeing up a fucking teaser over here, and Tyler's handing out the Munsters trailer that just came out. You know what? Good enough. Good enough. I, need, I need something. No. Have you guys right seen now? the Munsters trailer? After that one. Uh, no, I haven't yet. It, I, I heard it looks pretty it good, looks though. It looks pretty what? That looks pretty good, though. <laughs> no? All right. Can't wait to watch it even oh, more than that. Oh, man. Um, all right, folks at home, we'll, we'll talk to you next I week. I love Rob Zombie. Talk my shit now. I was playing two hand touch, fuck it up, it's a hit now. We not hit the road, do a show, hit a lick, then I skip town. Run up in the spot, no dance, and I make them all get down. Boy, you need to sit the fuck down. Yeah. I don't even talk my shit now unless I got a reason. Everybody watching like Netflix got a new season. I'ma get rich, hit the dealership, get the new bands out. 
Bottom line 316 like Stone Cold says so They buried me alive, I was dead broke I've been living in the no-flex zone About to make a move, it's a escrow Cooking in the kitchen, my sauce like magic My pesto like presto Off a little bean, that espresso Little bit of lean like I'm getting over chest code Got no chain, no, I can't chill. A ball got me feeling like a mill. Can't stay still, can't feel off a pain kill. Got the little orange pill, not the day quill. They fake with it, they ain't real. They talk about bricks, but they can't build. I'm frank with it, I'm Jake Jill. I only sold gas, I'm Hank Hill. Tank filled with the propane, it's like a 10K grill, it's a throwaway. They never ask if I'm okay, I'm never okay. Everybody wanna cut, it's a dry vocal. I'm anti-love, anti-social. I'm bipolar, I'm bi-coastal. I might buy one and go postal. Can I talk my shit now? I was playing two-hand touch, fuck it up, it's a hit now. When I hit the road, do a show, hit a lick, then I skip town. Run up in the spot, no dance, and I make them all get down. Boy, you better sit the fuck down.